politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard anew our life, our liberty, and our property to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Wednesday, September the 14th. And as always, it is a good day to fight for life and liberty. And what is the meaning of life? What does it mean to fight for life? For the last 50 years, we've been convinced it's all about abortion, 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 abortion. And certainly we here oppose abortion. But Republicans have been so bogged down on that issue that they have focused on it to the detriment of every other issue, including now the fundamental issue of life. You got that straight. They're dangling in front of us the same abortion stuff, claiming to fight it, while supporting what should be considered as abortions every stage from not just conception but but birth through natural death, or shall I say, unnatural death. So what we now have is a movement, including a so-called social conservative movement, that ranges from supportive to indifferent to the Pfizerocracy, the transhumanism that remain that ranges from indifferent to downright supportive of the homosexual agenda, which is also part of life, by the way, part of this depopulation, decivilization, undermining of family of continuity of civilization, while obsessively, almost to a fault, focusing on the abortion issue to continuously get dirtbag Republicans elected and distract us from rebelling against them because, oh, Lindsey Graham has some sort of abortion bill. Now, when, right away, if Lindsey Graham is the guy leading on that bill, you know automatically there's something funny. So we're going to talk about this juxtaposing the abortion issue to the broader pro-life issue that we're confronted with, which is literally the survival of us as sentient beings, not just you know, a fight over conception to, to, to birth, but all of us, all 8 billion. And then later on, we're going to have um, the one and only Bob Vanderplatz on, dear friend of Steve Dace's. We haven't had him on yet, so we're going to have him on, one of the really leading Christian conservative, uh, social conservative leaders in the country, to discuss the battle for marriage, for humanity, and kind of juxtaposing to this life issue that on the one hand, Republicans seem to always get stronger on the abortion issue, seemingly. But then they they screw us, quite literally, on the homosexual agenda. What's up with that? So he will be coming up later today. First, a word from our sponsor. Look, I don't need to convince you that that long run of the bulls at the stock market is over with. Um, that casino is going to crumble as we saw yesterday, inflation is now durable even over and beyond where gas prices are. Um, and as we well know, it's permanent because it's not just a casualty of what the left is doing. It is the main course. Therefore, if you want to hedge against the dollar becoming worthless, uh, investing in precious metals has always been the best bet, gold and silver. Um, one of the best ways to do it is to take every every year, you know, I typically have four six thousand dollars that I owe the IRS. 
um, because I like taking uh, very generous <laughs> exclusions uh, during the withholding period. And then I figure, all right, you know, I don't want them to dole back to me. I'll keep the money. And then, all right, there's stuff left left over. I'll put it in an IRA. But rather than putting that IRA or 401k into the, the into basically nothing but Apple and Google and Amazon, put it into something of value. Get started now. Text Daniel to 989898 um, where Birch Gold will send you a free no obligation info kit on how to invest in gold and how to turn your a tax-sheltered retirement account into gold or silver. Again, text Daniel to 989898 to find out more. So, folks, just before we get to the life issue, um, the main course today, I just wanted to talk about briefly, last night, obviously, the FBI surrounded Mike Lindell from my pillows, and they seized his cell phone. No probable cause that he committed a crime, they're literally going around and finding any supporter of Trump, anyone who politically supports him, they're now a suspected criminal and they could just violate their Fourth Amendment rights and do whatever they want. And largely, this is going to be the topic of conversation among a lot of conservative talk, especially the pro-Trump conservative talk. And as you well know, this didn't really begin with Trump. They were doing this with January Sixers, they were doing this even with members of the Freedom Caucus. Anyone who espoused support for the political idea that some of the protesters that they claim committed crimes also supported, that in itself became a crime. So they have fully criminalized. It's not that they might do it. They have already fully criminalized political opposition in this country. This is insane. But once again... There's no joint statement from all Republican governors saying this is not going to happen in our state. I, I know Mike Lindell lived in Minnesota, but the point is he could move to a red state if they promised that we will be a sanctuary for anyone that has that is a political dissident who has not committed a crime. And prima facie, the FBI is targeting him only because of his political beliefs, primarily because of his political beliefs. We are going to thwart in several ways, and we're going to do a show on this on Friday on, on how they could um, interpose against this federal tyranny. No. Instead, like we mentioned yesterday, they have this joint statement on student loans. Again, they always revert back to the old issues, and that's the segue into abortion. They, they don't learn new tricks, even the ones that aren't bought out. I mean, most of them, they don't fight because they, they're on the other side. But they don't know how to learn new tricks. This is why we lost yesterday's battles, for the same reason we're going to lose today's battles, because they're always focused on the previous generation's fights. It doesn't mean that there's no legitimacy into it. Certainly fighting you know, the, the forgiveness of student loans, I don't agree with it. I certainly don't agree with abortion. But the point is, it's always yesterday's issue. Still, to this day, even though it affects Mr. Trump, which is all loser-servative, click-servative, cuck-servative media focuses upon... You would think at least if it, oh, January 6ers, who cares? COVID fascism, who cares? But Mr. Trump, now we're going to push interposition in the state. No, there's no solution. Like, what are you going to do about it? Other than bellyache, nothing. But that leads me into this abortion thing. So the bigger issues of our time is the fact that Republicans have supported and continue to support transhumanism which includes the biomedical state, the CRISPR technology, the gene editing, the obviously the vaccine stuff, 
the genocide, the Fourth Reich, and including that transhumanism is flipping men and women upside down. A marriage is not a marriage. So they're going to support, they're going to affirmatively supply the Democrats while they're losing with the votes that they wouldn't otherwise have to codify the homosexual agenda. And with it, yes, the grooming, the bake the cake, the gender bending, all into civil rights. And then at the same time, oh, here's a 15-week ban on abortion that they're nowhere near ever having the ability to get passed and certainly signed into law. But let me tell you what pro-life has become about. You see, it used to be we all believed in what a human being was. We all believed, roughly speaking, what a government can and cannot do to your body. The, you know, We all believed in human life. The question was, does life begin at conception or birth? So it was that relatively narrow window where we fought over. Now they believe that every human being from conception until death is under their domain and they could kill the person, they could edit their genes, they could inject things in them that monitor, surveil, and yes, even control them. By the way, that just so you know, if you read up on this, it's not even the most spectacular technology out there. It's not even that new. The issue was, were they willing to do it and could they get away with doing it? But the fact that it exists, if they wanted to inject nanoparticles into us that could monitor, I mean, it's, it's used, I mean, even to a certain extent in surgery to, you know, cameras and everything. I mean, we have that. We've had that for, for a generation already. Um, the question is, when are they doing it? Where are they doing it? And it was always, do they have the desire to actually do it? And now you're stupid if you don't believe it because there's an entire executive order built upon this. Biden just promulgated a Fourth Reich transhumanist national anthem version of an executive order to green light and open the floodgates of funding and personnel to engage not in just the biomedical fascism of you're forced to get a vaccine, you know, medicine is destroyed, but to literally work on transhumanism, CRISPR technology, gene editing technology, human augmentation, as they call it. If you're not focused on that issue, and, and conversely, you're downright funding it and advancing it, not just not holding up the budget bill to defund it, but Republicans continue, as they did in, with the CHIPS bill, funding $50, $60 billion to the National Science Foundation, which is the lead agency on this new order that we're going to discuss. You're not pro-life. So don't dangle this abortion thing while they are forcefully injecting things upon people self-spreading technology. We now know that the vaccine self-spreads is an Epic Times article. If we have time to get to it, I want to get to it. It's now confirmed that it, I mean, we knew this already, that it absolutely could spread antibodies from one person to another. That is that is a much bigger pro-life issue because it encompasses everyone. The technology is insane. You can't get away from it. It's coercion. So Republicans will support that, but dangle in front of us yesterday's issue. I don't want to hear. And likewise, as we're going to talk with uh, Bob Vanderplatz about these same Republicans now codifying the homosexual agenda, I don't want to hear if you're oh against abortion, but you're for that. I don't. I don't want to hear that. 
The latter is a bigger issue. And by the way, just uh, one more plug here I want, I want to make for our upcoming constitutional defense course training at the NRA Whittington Center in Colfax County, New Mexico, courtesy of Patriot Academy. It's a four-day course. Um, we have two dates right now, September 25th and October 2nd. It's not too late to sign up, especially for the latter one, October 2nd. Um, there still is there still are, are a couple of spaces. Here's the deal, deal, folks. Most of you I know believe in the Second Amendment. Most of you maybe own guns, carry them. Do you know how to properly draw? Do you know how to clear malfunctions in the middle of a gunfight? Do you know how to shoot accurately? Okay, very few people do. That's why we have the funnest, most professional course in America, courtesy of Patriot Academy. We study the Constitution at night. We shoot out on the range all day. Beautiful, mountainous country there, and really the perfect time of year to go out. Great weather, um, great camaraderie. You'll hone in on your marksmanship, uh, handgun skills, trigger control, sight alignment, safety awareness, um, and then you'll meet the best patriots alive from this audience, uh, other patriots around the country. So join Rick Green and Patriot Academy on September 25th or October 2nd by registering at patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. That's patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. So I want I want to play here this clip of Yuval Noah Hariri of the World Economic Forum. He is the Hitler of our time. Um, he explains exactly what he means by biometric surveillance. Take a listen right here. And COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. Okay. COVID is critical because it convinced people to accept total biometric surveillance. Okay? This is what we're up against. Injecting things in your skin that could potentially do anything to you in terms of monitor, surveillance, and control. And COVID was the catalyst. Yet we have a Republican Party in a conservative moment that has blown through COVID as if it never happened. And then all the things they're building on, on the next generation vaccines, food and fuel and the other CRISPR technology and gene editing, it's all there. They don't notice it, but I'm against abortion. Screw you. I literally don't want to hear about that issue anymore until people deal with the issue that is a pro-life issue by a magnitude of a million. Let me explain what I mean. This order that Biden gave, it directs the OMB and other agencies to spend about three months to develop a plan to implement the recommendations. They have to solicit input from experts on ethics, environmental sustainability, environmental justice. What's the plan? For biotechnology and biomanufacturing. To help us achieve our societal goals, the United States needs to invest in foundational scientific capabilities. We need to develop genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictably program biology in the same 
way in which we write software and program computers. Unlock the power of biological data, including through computing tools and artificial intelligence, and advance the science of scale-up production while reducing the obstacles for commercialization so that innovative technologies and products can reach markets faster. Data initiative to create data tracking that identifies the data types and sources to include genomic and multiomic information that are most critical to drive advances in health, climate, energy, food, agriculture, and biomanufacturing, as well as other bioeconomy-related R&D, along with data gaps. Okay? And it directs the National Science Foundation to take point on this. McConnell, along with like 14 other Republicans, just voted to give them 50, 60 billion extra dollars. That is the Fourth Reich Agency. So you heard that. To be able to write circuitry for cells, program biology, and they, and they define that as humans in the, in the same way that you write software. And now we know that's what they literally did with the vaccine. I'm saying even if, even if the lipid nanoparticles don't monitor, surveil, or engage in mind control, which I'm neither confirming nor denying that it does that, I don't, we haven't proven that yet, but they have the technology and the motive to do it, and they had the perfect, you know, ruse to do it. Did they do it or not? I'm not 100% sure, but what we know they did is program your body like software to produce endless um, toxic spike proteins that we now see cause tens of thousands of categories of maladies potentially in your body. This, in a nutshell... This order, this this executive order, def- so, so defines what they're doing. You don't have to rely on Yuval Hariri. Okay, that's one lunatic, but he doesn't control the government. That's just some crazy professor. No, <laughs> this is Biden's executive order interagency directing the OMB to work with all the HHS agencies, all the science agencies, that they are going to work on gene editing technology to make human beings like computers. It's out in the open. And they're going to do this for health, climate, food, fuel, agriculture. And they're going to make sure they have the R&D to bring these forthright products to the market as fast as possible. This at its core is what I mean by the forthright. If Hitler would have had this technology... This is what I mean by focusing on the true pro-life issue that matters because you can't avoid it. No one in this audience is willingly getting an abortion. I'm not saying I support it, I oppose it, but one is imposed upon us. You you can't move away from it. And what do I mean by pro-life? There's a remarkable article out. Kudos to the Epoch Times for unearthing this. New preprint study implies airborne COVID-19 antibodies post-vaccination. We've already noted, by the way, that you know Pfizer's own protocol mentions that you could be exposed to the shot through touch and airborne. They actually admit that. But here we actually see it in the world. Um, you know, again, I still think that for the most part, if you're injected with it directly to code, code potentially millions of spikes, you're worse off than not getting it, but to what extent this affects you, we don't know, but potentially it can. A new preprint study published by the University of Colorado concluded that antibodies can be transmitted through aerosols. 
In the study, unvaccinated children living in either vaccinated or unvaccinated households were nasal swabbed for COVID-19 antibodies. The authors, led by Dr. Ross Kettle, found that children living with vaccinated parents have higher concentration of COVID-19 antibodies in their swabs than children living in unvaccinated households. By the way, remember, we had Dr. Lynn Finon. Remember that whole rash, we don't hear about it now, of adenovirus-driven hepatitis in children. And we were all like, it's got to be coming from the vaccines. But the problem was that the children were mostly from the age bracket that didn't get the shot or wasn't approved yet. So how could it be? And and her theory was it was adenovirus vector vaccines. It was J&J and AstraZeneca that were causing it. And it was they were in the households of parents who got them. And this is, again, none none of this is proven, but my theory has always been is it doesn't spread the same. I mean, you don't get affected the same way as if you got the vaccine. And I think we're seeing that, you know, that that the most of the sudden deaths and injuries and all, you know, are from the people who got vaccinated. But I think it could potentially spread and it's, you know, it has to, you have to have much more prolonged contact. I don't think you just pass someone on the street or something, you get it. So who are going to be the most vulnerable? Well, children living, you know, with parents that got it. Antibodies are immune markers, and each person's collection of antibodies is a reflection of immunization, infection history. A person is only supposed to display antibodies to COVID-19 if they have been infected or vaccinated, yet these children have not been vaccinated against nor infected with COVID-19. Why do they have antibodies? The authors of the study reason that the vaccinated parents likely pass their antibodies to the children. They produced antibodies from the vaccine. These antibodies accumulated in nasal cavities and became airborne. Their children then breathe the antibodies in, accumulating COVID-19 antibodies in their nasal cavities. This is a plausible speculation as it is well documented that bodily fluids, including breast milk, saliva, tears, sweat, contain antibodies. Mothers are also recommended to breastfeed their babies as it provides their babies with antibodies, right? And, and that's when, you know, the natural antibodies. So that, that's a good thing. So when you, there's already signs of these children with these mystery antibodies, I'm sorry, these mystery ailments now, who says they didn't get it from parents that had the shot, even if they didn't get the shot? Do you understand the implication of this? Now, presumably, if you're an entire household that chooses to do the right thing and avoid these things, presumably, you don't have to worry about, presumably, I don't know, about getting it off the street. But again, what about the next round of mRNA? Pfizer was just out there bragging on Twitter about their flu shots, their mRNA-based flu shots that they plan on putting out. Who says that those things aren't self-spreading? In other words... That they have self-spreading vaccine technology is old news. The question is, did they harness that completely with the COVID shots? They at least partially does that. So the point is, this is a forced abortion. We know how pro-inflammatory these things are. By the way, which which leads me to the next thing I want to talk about. Did you, isn't it interesting that Pfizer is always there to deal with, they're always immediately on top of the next big current thing. 
Albert Borla put out on Twitter, excited to see POTUS inspiring action through Cancer Moonshot Initiative. One way or another, cancer touches all our lives, and at Pfizer, we know we must continue our work to advance breakthroughs to combat these deadly diseases. And now they're talking about using, you guessed it, mRNA and lipid nanoparticles with cancer. And why is Biden all of a sudden more than ever talking about cancer? I think we know the answer. Have you killed and have you benefited? Have you inherited? As Elijah said to King Ahab, who killed his neighbor to get his vineyard, they kill people and then they're there to sell their products to supposedly prevent the killing, but that exacerbates it so they could produce another product to further exacerbate, rinse and repeat. But it's interesting that they're always kind of there. They're always there. They're also, interestingly enough, developing, they're, they're partnering, um, with this um, a big, big uh, pharma company they're investing in to deal with inflammatory disorders. Interesting. They always seem ahead of the curve. Inflammatory stuff and now cancer. And remember... When you have antibodies that are not produced by God, but are artificially created, you always run the risk, and now we know this happened with COVID, but you know it likely is going to happen with other shots and probably has to a certain extent, creates inflammation. Autoantibodies, you need the right type and the right amount in the right place. They run the risk of producing the wrong type and the wrong amount in the wrong places in the body. And now that could spread to other human beings that, that chose not to get it. Iger Chudov is out with a great substack today that shows, that proves how CDC's own data shows that in children, the COVID shots increase multi-system inflammatory syndrome by at least 43%. This, my friends, is pro-life. This, my friends, is the true pro-life issue of our time that actually matters. Yet we don't hear a word from Republicans, from conservatives on this. And Republicans continue to fund and fund new legislation. It's one thing, oh, well, we don't want to have a government shutdown. Okay, but at, at a very minimum, if you have 50 seats in the Senate, way more than the 41 you need to block bad bills, you can at least prevent them from passing new bad bills. But remember that chips, chips and science, chips and salsa. Remember that bill they passed, like like you know, four hundred over four hundred billion dollars. So it funded, it created a monopoly for the Chinese, bought out IBM type of companies, um, to uh, sell our technology to the Chinese with uh, with a uh, you know semiconductor, the semiconductor industry. But it also had like fifty billion and something in that ballpark. I I have it in one of my columns. Um, but around there, for the National Science Foundation, this is what they're funding. It's literally like the Nazis' T4 program. This is the eugenics. And again, you can't get around it. So far, at least, abortions have been optional. Okay, no one who doesn't want them has ever been forced to get one. Doesn't excuse it. I'm just saying, this is, if you're bothered by abortion, this is a million times worse, a million times more devastating and consequential, and unavoidable. They literally want to 
permanently turn human beings into robots. Google it. The British Defense Ministry put out a recent paper, very long paper. Google British Defense Ministry Human Augmentation. They talk about having, like, you know, the best soldiers on the battlefield. And again, as Whitney Webb told us, and we're going to have her back by popular demand soon, she's terrific on this issue, this is why this stuff emanated not so much from public health, environment, the leftists, from the defense and national security state, because they viewed this as all a war game to make human beings just like, you know, robots on a computer. Literally, like in a video game, a video war game. That's where it began. So when Republicans are like, oh, but, but you know, DOD, good, NSA, good, CIA, good, national defense, and, and they're about to fund the new or, or authorize the new defense authorization bill for fiscal year 2023 without any questions, they're funding all of this. In addition to the woke military and the lack of a mission and the Afghan refugees and all the other garbage they'll have in there. So I just wanted, I know I've been hinting at this on each show, but I wanted to give you a broader presentation of why I'm so bothered by this myopic focus on abortion to help promote people like Lindsey Graham as if they're heroes when they are bought into the much, much greater anti-life issue that we could have never imagined until a few years ago. Okay? And one more story before we uh, bring on our guests. This is from the Arizona Sun-Times. For the first time in history, Chinese people are living longer than Americans. According to CDC, they estimated that life expectancy has fallen in the U.S. to 76.1. China is now up to 78.3. So we are now behind China. In life expectancy. That is a pro-life issue. Why are we dropping? Well, we're dropping because they created COVID. They created biowarfare. They created the vaccines. They created the lockdowns. The drug cartels and everything like that that our government is literally working with, by the way. Organized crime can never persist without protection on both sides of the border. All this mental illness, promoting transhumanism and transgenderism, all this mental illness that they've induced, and you wonder how much the food and and vaccines were involved in that. Everything our government is doing has destroyed the quality of life of humanity. And then the fact that basically our healthcare is nothing but the Fourth Reich, our healthcare, rather than focusing on empowering doctors to use their clinical experience and the best science to save lives, It's all about greasing the skids of the forthright control and big pharma. We are now behind China in life expectancy. But we're better than ever in banning abortions. Great. Awesome. I'm sorry. But I almost wonder if it was a subversive issue from day one that Bill Gates and and, and company got everyone to focus like a laser beam on that while supporting everything that is much, much worse. They don't need abortions when they could abort, kill, inflame, genetically edit, augment, modify every human being from conception to death. And what is the answer of 
conservative ink to any of this. Literally spelled out in Biden's order. Nothing. Nothing. But let's get to our guest. So now, the other big pro-life issue, aside from biomedical tyranny and transhumanism, and really part and parcel of transhumanism, is the homosexual agenda. Now, maybe 10 years ago, you would have looked at me like I'm from Mars, like, well, what does that have to do with transhumanism? You might disagree with it. You might think it's wrong biblically, morally. But, hey, you know, what does that have to do with humanism? Well, now we see that it has grown legs, that it's not just, hey, we'll turn the other eye if someone engages in sinful behavior. We'll even be okay with it as a society. No, it's that we make it that two men marrying is just like a man and a woman. A man, and in fact, a man is just like a woman, and vice versa. A complete deracination of familiar ties, of continuity of humanity, this confusion that we're instilling in an entire generation. You look at all the polling from Pew to Gallup, it's like, you know, from each generation to the next, from the silent to baby boomer X, Y, Z, whatever, it's a straight line down what percentage claim that they're X, Y, Z, you know, L, U, A, B, C, you know, dollar sign through through the end of times, you know, each each licentious behavior that's codified as a, a immutable trait and then as a fundamental right, that is all part of this. So bizarrely, as Republicans talk about abortion more than ever and they say, hey, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-life, vote for me, vote for me, they seem to embrace this more than ever at a time when the public and polls have shown this is actually for the first time in a generation, we were winning. We were winning. People finally see, oh, you mean it wasn't just give them the piece of paper and they'll leave us alone and we could live our lives and not have our kids be exposed to this every second. Look, I always say this at the end of the day, I ain't getting an abortion. No one in my family is. And my kids, you know, at least not yet, aren't seeing abortions being conducted out in the streets. But all of this other stuff, it is everywhere. I mean, my wife tells me, go to the library, and my kids love to read. She saw, I mean, innocuous-looking books, and it's shoved everywhere, every nook and cranny. It says all over the Bible that when you get into Israel, the Jews were commanded to uproot, uproot, search after the idolatry. What does that mean? Because the pagans would embed it subtly everywhere in society. So, you, so, you know, it's not just like, okay, you have a tower here, a tower there, on this mountain, this valley. It was embedded subtly in every aspect of culture. And that's what they're doing. This is the bigger issue. And this is why, you know, when I was a candidate, uh, a vetter, a vetter of candidates for, for various PACs, I wouldn't even talk about abortion because I knew all of them were going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm pro-life. I would go straight to the homosexual agenda. That would separate the men from the boys in terms of GOP candidates, and we're seeing that now. And by the way, it's not just the 10 or so Republicans that are likely going to buy into forcing states to adopt and, and define marriage um, as nothing other than what they want it to be defined as, but almost all of the remaining ones couldn't care less. Let's face it, outside of a few of them, most of them are not bothered by it. They might hope yes, vote no type of deal, but that's the state of play. One of the people that's been at the forefront of this fight who has a very long, long view of it is Bob Vanderplotz. And I, I still don't understand why I never had him on, but he's a dear friend of my friend Steve Dace. He's uh, president and CEO of the Family Leader Christian Nonprofit Organization in Iowa. 
that really led the only successful drive um, to remove or uh, defeat judges in a judicial retention ballot in 2010 for uh, mandating gay marriage on the state of Iowa, and he won. And it looked like we were winning back then, and suddenly we lost. And then now, when it looks like we're winning again, Republicans are trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. What is going on? So with us today is none other than Bob Vanderplatz. Bob, thanks so much for joining us the first time today at CR Podcast. Well, Daniel, I'm very blessed, and thank you for having me on your show. And you're right, our, our mutual friend, Steve Dace, I feel like I know you like a best friend because he has such high regard for you and for your, your insight and your intellect and, and for, your, you know, for your such a time as this moment uh, in our culture. So thank you for having me on. You, you know, Daniel, we warned about this uh, in 2010. You know, this used to be the duh This was Jesus saying, uh, have you not heard? Uh, God created them male and female, and what he joined together, no one should put us under. No one should separate. And so that was the duh of Jesus' time. So in 2010, this was part of the debate. This was part of the argument when we were ousting three Supreme Court justices and I was debating Supreme Court justices about once you remove the foundational pillars of marriage, it, you just left your imagination run with, where does this lead to? And I didn't even let my imagination run far enough back in 2010 about what this would lead to. Because when you remove the per- parameters of a foundational institution like marriage and of the family, one man, one woman, it leads to anything you want to come up with for marriage. And even to the point where it's now, what is a boy? What is a girl? What restroom do I use? When we have a Supreme Court justice nominee for the United States Supreme Court who can't answer what's a woman. You know, I can't define what a woman is. And this is a, now a birthing person. It reminds me a lot. matter of fact, um, I don't know if I tweeted, but I was, I was ready to tweet it. Have we reached the stage of a depraved mind yet? Because in Romans 1, when, when, when God says, you know, I'll turn my back on them and let them off to their depraved minds, you are seeing a depraved mind at work. And that is why we are so bent and so encouraging the U.S. senators like Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst and all of the others to take a stand for marriage, because this is not where it ends. And I think you've outlined it really, really well. This debate is very much a pro-life debate as it is a pro-marriage debate. So what's the state of play in in the Senate? They're bragging that they likely have the 10 votes they need, you know, all 50 Democrats, plus they need 10 more Republicans to get to 60. Um, talk to us about the players, who, who the big players are, where it stands, and also if you can mention they're claiming that in order to get this Republican buy-in, they are going to put religious liberty protections in. If you can talk a little bit about that. Well, first of all, putting religious liberty protections in, I mean, it signals one thing. Religious liberty is at stake. It's at risk. You put this into play, regardless of all the religious liberty protections you want to put into law, that's going to get erased in a court like that. (laughs) And what does it put? It threatens Every Christian ministry, like the family leader, every church that your listeners attend, or Christian nonprofit that they support, 
It puts them not at risk because they will not conform and celebrate, you know, whatever they want marriage to be defined as other than one man, one woman. So that is a huge issue. Senator Langford out of Oklahoma deserves a lot of credit. In the caucus, as well as in the media, he's been very bold and very out front about what happens if they vote for a yes for this Disrespect Marriage Act and just laying out the ripple effects of this. The problem is, is that I'm having to lobby. I'm having to encourage people that I typically respect on this issue a lot, like a Senator Joni Ernst, a Senator Chuck Grassley. And what's happening, Daniel, is they're listening to a myriad of a lot of other voices, mainly the New York Times and the like, of going, you know, well, they're going to be so out of step. They're on the wrong side of history. This puts their reelection in danger. All the, all the woke posters of saying you need to be with us because if you're not with us, they're going to vote you out because you're not, you're not for same-sex marriage. You're not for, you know, define marriage as you please. And the fact is we, we're encouraging them to take a bold, strong stand, not just because it's the right thing to do, which you think that should be simple enough, but because of the disastrous ripple effects that you so articulately laid out about what happens after you do this. See, what I don't understand is in 2015 with Obergefell, as you well know, the Republicans were hoping yes, claiming, they, claiming no type of thing. They, they, most of them loved it. They loved it. They wanted the issue to be taken away by the courts because they no longer wanted to fight for it because they, they tossed the fight like they do on everything. Um, because, and back then I was like, yeah, it's inevitable. They're all like that. The society is all obsessive about it. And, and this is where it's at. But now that we see two things, number one, the destructive effects of it, that it's not like take your paper and go home. You know, get your, your certificate and just do your thing like any other couple lives. No, they're going to shove it on you in every aspect of society. Make it literally biologically that, uh, you know, two men, two women can give birth. Um, they, they codified it in a, in a later Supreme Court decision on birth certificates. It has to be written as if they give birth. You know, this whole, like, you know, hallucination thing of, of a man's a woman. Uh, you know, there's just contortion of science and biology. And... They can't deny it. It's everywhere. I mean, it's it's literally everywhere. And then also, the polling has actually gotten better because it's so officious in our lives and so destructive. People are kind of waking up, oh, okay, so this is a much broader issue. So I feel like it's much easier to fight now than even it was, you know, seven, eight, ten years ago. Do they not realize this? Well, I, I don't, but I think it's who they're listening to. Uh, we had Tucker Carlson in our leadership summit, and Tucker Carlson made a really good point. He said, be very wary of the politician who's listening more to the New York Times than they are of listening to you. And what they're, what they're missing is Loudoun County, Virginia, where a boy uses a girl's locker room because he feels like a girl, and he rapes the girl, and the Loudoun County moms rise up, and they turn that state and elect Governor Yunkin, a state that Biden won by 10 points. But they miss that. They, they miss the Save Girls Sports, where you now got boys participating in girls' sports. 
they're missing all these businesses, especially the small businesses who they're supposed to represent, who are having to deal with all these woke policies and how many restrooms do I need and what, what pronouns do I use? And I'm telling you what, people are fed up with it. And that's why I wrote the op-ed that I did that the Blaze published was they need to connect the dots on this issue. I mean, this, I mean, it's not about Mary and Nancy who just want to share a garden together, so therefore allow us to get married because, you know, that way we'll just live to ourselves and that's the way it is. This is permeating every, yes. every thread of our society. And that's why I think it's time that they need to wake up. And the listeners to the show, wherever you live, you need to be contacting your senator to make sure that they stay in bold on this issue. Why the dichotomy between abortion and the homosexual agenda? Meaning, as I mentioned before, you look at both the elected Republicans as well as outside so-called conservatives, church leaders, pastors. They boldly proclaim their anti-abortion views. And, and, and you see it. You know, After the Dobbs opinion, almost every red state— you know, categorically went in and 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 banned it. Uh, you know, I'm just looking right now. Idaho, Idaho is one of the states where they strongly banned abortion. Yet, you know, there's there's a investigative report that was put out by the Right Scoop. Um, Idaho teaches porn literacy to elementary school students. This is happening in the state of Idaho, not in New York, California. And, you know, I'm just finding that at the pulpit they'll be like, "God bless us for you know the Dobbs opinion is awesome," but they won't touch the homosexual agenda even though it's you know it was never like this but it was viewed that we were the sword and they were the shield back in the day like they, they're just trying to get you know just trying to live and we're just somehow trying to burn them at the stake but now it's become very clear we're we're more like hey don't tase me bro we're more the defensive thing just like hey just leave us alone they're the ones shoving their stuff on everyone and yet still i'm not i mean isn't this more of a church problem than a Republican Party problem? Oh, without question it is. And the one thing about when you take a look, why are the pastors and the pulpits so quick to celebrate the sanctity of human life? Well, yeah, God designed it, nature reveals it, and good science always backs, backs it up. And we're seeing good science back it up now. So you're seeing more and more and more where everybody's saying, you know, that, that little girl in her mother's womb, she's a baby. And we should celebrate that life. So, yes, we're about celebrating life. And you're seeing more and more people come to that realization that that little girl, that little boy in their mother's womb, that she or he's a baby. However, they're so concerned because they bought into the terminology of the left. The left has put it on them. If you're not about celebrating homosexuals, if you're not about celebrating gay marriage, then you're going to be a bigot. And, and if you're a bigot, you can't be about love, because you remember, the greatest of these is love. And so we just need to love them. And we need to love them, and we need to love them. Otherwise, you're going to be called a bigot. If you're called a bigot, you're going to be one of those churches that everybody starts talking about. And, to me, and I think it's where the senators are, too, that, you know, I don't want to be called a bigot. I don't want to be called those nasty names. I'm not that. I, you know, that's not who I am. So they bought into the lie. And for the pastors and for the churches to buy into the lie that we're going to love them without speaking the truth to them, well, that's no love at all. I mean, part of, part of speaking the truth in love is you still got to speak the truth. And, and God designed it to be male and female. 
And so I think what it is is concerned the New York Times, that the pollster, whoever it is, is going to call me a bigot. They're going to call me a homophobe. They're going to call me a whatever. And with the sanctity of human life, it seems to be very, very clear that, no, this is a life issue, and I can feel good about celebrating the sanctity of human life. But on this other issue, I, I don't want to be one of those. And they're not connecting the dots of how these two yeah. inter, interrelate with one another. So it, it's it's obviously the political reprisal, the fear of, of the, the mob. But I also think there is an intellectual, somewhat of an intellectual dynamic to this, too, that a lot of these people have been worn down by the culture. That the the left is very good at this, you know. It, it says throughout the Bible all these references to immediately clamping down on sin, and you know, so all that all will see and listen because once it proliferates, it becomes normal. People, people think, well, oh my gosh, we can't do that. Imagine if we have gay marriage. They'll be like, okay, we'll we'll do it. See, the world didn't fall apart. Um, yep. You you could I always say you could defy natural law in a way you can't define defy like gravity. Right. If you walk off a roof every time you're going to you're going to fall down, whereas, you know, if you do something sinful, absurd, destructive, um, we saw this with masks. Everyone was like, imagine if we would have kids masking in school. I remember that summer of 2020, there were parodies put out because, uh, you know, the schools were closed, but then they were going to open. And, and that was after people were wearing masks that defies natural law. But you could do it. You could you could acclimate human beings to to such a destructive thing, and they did, and they and they did that. Okay, see, we did it. So I almost feel, and I want to see if you agree with me on this, that a lot of what's worn down people is that the left doesn't debate like our side does. We'll debate for a hundred years something we want to do. They'll just do it, often illegally. They'll just do it. So once you jump into that bath, and they just do it, rip it off. So look, it's done. So then Republicans like, wow, I guess, I guess that's how it is. It's normal. And, and I know this is true with Rob Portman and maybe a few others, maybe Ron Johnson. I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that, but a couple of them, they either have people in their lives, in some cases a son, that goes and they're, they're like, I am gay, as in like a noun, whatever that means. And they're like, man, I get, look, it's everywhere. I guess, I mean, it's kind of like, like, what do you want from them? It's, you got to love, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. But then now everyone's like, I'm transgender. And then in a couple years, I'm a killer whale. Well, I guess it's normal. You're born that way. Isn't that at its core what has worn down our side? And what do we need to do to combat that? Well, I think what we need to do, and I think part of this show is what you're doing. You're, you're exposing, you know, what happens after you normalize, what happens after you codify. It doesn't stop here. And the thing is, and that's what we tried to, to cast vision for again back in 2010, and what I tried to do in the op-ed, just remind them about connect the dots to what's taking place here. Because once you normalize it, and say, so, well, well, Mary and Nancy, I mean, they're not hurting anybody, are they? I mean, they live in the home. They're just down the street from me. They're not hurting anybody. They seem to be good people, right? But they're not saying, what's the business dealing with now? What's the, what's the education dealing with now? What are Christian ministries going to deal with next? And instead of having the, the argument of saying, you know what? Once you erode natural law, once you erode a foundation and a pillar, anything goes. And that's why Justice Sotomayor, even though she voted the wrong way in Obergefell, I thought she asked a great question. 
And the great question was, if we undefine the institution of marriage, if we remove the parameters of one man, one woman, what now constitutes a marriage? And she was right. She was insightful on that. She still voted yep. the wrong way. But she was like, you know what? If we unravel a foundation or a pillar, stuff is going to happen. And right now we're seeing stuff happening, and it doesn't end at Mary and Nancy. Exactly. And, it, and you're right. It gets to the pro-life debate, and it gets to the transition. What's a human? What's a man? What's a woman? Yeah. But then what's a human? And this is literally what we're talking about with not just Yuval Harari and Klaus Schwab, but Biden's own executive order here of gene editing and um, making human beings like a platform, literally like a platform that you code. Um, that's where we are today. It is where we are today. And, and the thing is, when you take a look at this, is we live in the most prosperous time ever. I mean, we can complain a lot about things could be better, and I get that. We live in a very prosperous time to where most kids, they, they, don't, have a lot of, they don't have a lot of want. Whatever they want, they kind of get. And yet the suicide rates are through the roof. And you need to ask yourself a question as, as a mom, as a dad, as a grandpa, as a grandma, or as anybody concerned about society. What the heck is going on? It's because, you know what, your gayness is not making you happy. Your transitioning is not making you happy. Your whatever we tell you your hope should be in is not making you happy. We have lost the foundations and the pillars of the culture that need to be reestablished and restored in order to, to, what I believe, to turn our hearts back to God, his principles, his precepts, and then you'll see the, the real blessing to a country. No, exactly. I mean, and, and that's really what I fear, that, that we can never secure that blessing when we are now okay with this. I am honestly shocked at the state of play of the professional conservative movement. I didn't realize how much of this was indulged. I would actually venture to say there's more homosexuality among rhinos than Democrats, and I mean that literally the more I discover that. It's truly unbelievable, um, the behavior. And, and again, it's all sorts of you know immoral behavior. It's not just that. It's in the other direction as well. It's just we, we don't have a party that really reflects our values. I find it very disturbing, very disturbing that even the better Republicans, they can only give a glancing argument in favor of what we want. So, for example, and I know I'm in the minority on this, but I'm bothered by that they can never stand up there and say a man's a man, a woman's a woman, and it's 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 a problem to create decivilization. It's the bathrooms are a bigger deal, everything's a bigger deal. They'll only focus on, oh, it's unfair to female sports. And it's like well, that's kind of like an absurd, one of the many absurd outcomes of it. But that's not the enchilada. But that's the only way you could even get them to even get on the map on the issue. Oh, female sports. Oh, female sports. All right, then, then that's that's a different story. You know, Daniel, you're so right on that. But the other thing, and Steve and I have talked about this before on his show. The real, and the other problem of this is there's no political gain out of this. There's nobody who's saying, you know what, we got huge inflation, we, we, the Afghanistan deal, all this other stuff, the country's a mess, it's going in the wrong direction, but I'm still going to vote Democrat. Oh, but now, listen, uh, Chuck Grassley or Joni Ernst or one of the other senators, they voted to codify same-sex marriage. Now I'm going to vote Republican. That's never happening. Never ha So there's no political gain. 
But the only thing is there's going to be a political loss. I guarantee you this is going to shake up a base of Republicans, much like the Loudoun County people did. You shake up a base of Republicans and say, you know what, I'm so done with this. What, what am I getting when they're just voting for this garbage? Primaries will come out of this deal. But I also believe that you're going to still see Schumer be in charge of the U.S. Senate. The House, most likely, McCarthy's going to have, that the Republicans are going to have regardless. But what they're doing is they're walking away from foundations and institutions, from a party platform, and the people they're supposed to represent beyond walking away from God himself. And so I think there's real things at stake, and I do not see the political gain Yes. other than the New York Times is not calling me a bigot. And, and I agree with you when it comes to so-called social conservatism. I think the main reason why they didn't back away from the abortion issue, number one, it was demanded of them, and that's a lesson for other issues, that you have to be that intense on other issues as well. Number two... I think they needed an issue because they need something. They have to show something to get you to vote Republican. And they kind of locked it on that issue. But why technology? I mean, I really think, you know, the 3D colored pictures, you know, have, you know, from, you know, the, the, the sonograms and everything. It's that has helped. I think without that, they would have walked away from that, too. In other words, had that not become so easy, they would have easily walked away from it. And especially the left became really radical on that. But I feel like we're, we're headed in that direction on the whole homosexual agenda, that it's become easy. It's become easy. I mean, everyone sees the drag shows, you know, even people that aren't connected to biblical values. I mean, most people don't want that. Um, you, you know, I mean, Allah forbid, should we ever stand for biblical values? I mean, that that's been extirpated from the party a long time ago. Um, but but just from a common sense standpoint, I think you could win on this even without tapping into the Judeo-Christian heritage of America, which, again, somehow has gotten lost, and I I never got that memo, but it appears that that is the modus operandi of not just most Republicans, but most of my colleagues in conservative media. Um, some of them will even talk about, oh, these two guys got married. Congrats on your adopted kid. Like, what in the what? Like, <laughs> I, I, I never got that memo, but I didn't realize how few of us there are, or, or am I wrong about that? Are there more of us than we think? Well, I, I ho- I'm hoping that there's more of us than we think. And I think what it is, I think you're right. You take away the biblical the, the principles of all this, which we adhere to, but take it away. Appeal to the business owners who are dealing with all this garbage. Appeal to the teachers and the education establishment that's dealing with this stuff. Appeal to the parents who are having their kids taken over by government-run schools and hiding the transitioning of their kids or encouraging the transitioning of their kids. You know, appeal to, to, the, to the ministries of the nonprofits as saying, you're at threat here. But they can't, they can't make that argument. And I happen to believe, Daniel, that the overturn of Roe v. Wade made them less, less adamant on the marriage issue as well by going, you know, now they're calling us extreme on abortion, that, you know, it's even with rape and incest that they want, they want to outlaw abortion. They want life at conception. And, and now they're going to hit us on the marriage issue as well. We can't. We I, can't I believe both. that fully. I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm, I was uh, my audience knows I have I have a little bit of a different view on that issue. Obviously, I'm as pro-life as the next person, but this split the baby conservatism sometimes hurts you when when it's not part of a broader you know if they would have been peddled to the metal on medical freedom and talking about bodily autonomy with that i think it would have protected them a little bit more um 
you know, if they're going to blow their wad 100% on abortion, but then be horrible on every other issue, I have certain views on that. Sometimes, you know, it's kind of like my view on, um, I call it low-tax socialism. I actually think it hurts us that Republicans are unanimously for lower taxes while being for every other aspect of socialism, because then people don't feel the pain. You have the government largesse on the cheap. I mean, there's a lot of this, I think, people need to be a little bit more strategic about it. And I think where we are in the abortion issue, I think we've reached a high watermark. You're never going to be able to control the blue states. They'll do what they want anyway. Um, they're, they're, they're irrevocably Sodom and Gomorrah. You have to save the red states. And we pretty much are doing that on the abortion issue. Now it's time to do that with the same intensity on the other issues that matter and stop allowing these rhinos to be like, I'm a total Democrat, except them against abortion. I'm really sick of that. I'm sick of that being used as a loincloth, as as near and dear as it is to your heart, and I know all of us. But um, give you the last word. Are there specific senators people need to watch for, or it's just kind of like, you know, whoever is in your state, just call them. Well, first of all, I think whoever's in your state, because even if you have a bold person, so you're in Oklahoma and you have Senator Lankford on your on your side, I'd encourage Senator Lankford to yell from the rooftops inside that caucus and outside of that caucus about what this, I mean, to connect the dots, what's going to take place when or if they vote for this disrespect for marriage act. If you're like me and you've got two senders that you believe should be strong on this issue and you're sensing some waffling, I think you need to be communicating with them specifically and encouraging that they stand and stand firm. And so whoever your senator is, that's, well, we're a representative republic, you'll know, get a hold of those senators, let them know where you stand, raise up the temperature on this issue, because I'm afraid the only voices they're hearing from are the voices that don't represent us. Yes. And whether it's the life issue, the fiscal issue, or the marriage issue, have them connect the dots on the whole thing. The whole thing. Don't look at it in a vacuum. Well, as always, thanks for joining us. Where could people find more of your work? Go to the, T-H-E, thefamilyleader.com, thefamilyleader.com. Perfect. All righty. Well, we made it a first. Hopefully, we'll get you back soon. Thanks so much for everything you're doing, and God bless. I uh, appreciate you, Daniel. God bless you. So again, Bob Vanderplotz from The Family Leader in Iowa. Um, that's where it's at. Transhumanism, transgenderism, gene editing. That's, those are the life issues that matter. That's what's going to matter to the continuity of humanity as a species, literally. And all I'm saying is, I didn't all of a sudden become pro-abortion. I'm just saying I am sick of that issue being dangled. And especially with the way Lindsey Graham is doing it, you know, it, it just it just is meaningless. It, it undercuts our whole plan of, you know, states kind of doing what they want. So here we're, we're supposedly telling the blue states, oh, we're going to ban abortion. And you're not. The blue states will never allow that to happen. Um, let's, you know, be happy with what we're doing in the red states. And don't allow Lindsey Graham to screw us on every other issue. Marriage, transhumanism, pharma, gene editing. This is where it's at. Focus on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. That's our motto. Um, follow us as always on Telegram at C19 Truth Palms. Um, but we discuss other things other than COVID as well. You could email me, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. Let me know if you agree with my thesis today. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.